Wavy. Welcome in. It is yet another edition of East Coast Bias right here on the Ringer Gambling Show. And of course, for our friends over at FanDuel TV, we welcome in Joe House, Raheem Palmer, yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski. There is a lot to dissect. We are super fired up to be here. And House, I told you, buddy, the Miami Heat were not going to go quietly in the NBA Finals. Too much pride, too much heart, too much fire in their bellies. And to me, history, and by history, I mean the last two months of the postseason, were the perfect lesson in why the Miami Heat were not going to go quietly. So I know you were a firm believer, Denver much better, and I agree with you on that. But how stunned were you, House, watching that fourth quarter, Denver up eight, and those cockroaches, baby, they're at it again. JJ, not stunned at all. This is the Miami team. It's hilarious that you used the word history to, to discuss the last two months. I love Seriously. it so much. Because really, in the history of the NBA, there has not been any team like these Miami Heat. There is no precedent for a team to arrive at the playoffs and, you know, have uh, a bottom five offensive rating and then magically transform itself into a team that is, you know, one of the top two teams in the entire playoffs offensively. There is no precedent for a team that shoots, you know, substandard bottom five from three point range and magically everybody all get hot at the same time. It is to me, a continuation of what we've been calling the Miami voodoo. Uh, and I still wish I had an explanation for how or why or whatever magic potion Eric Spolstra is using to cause defenses that the Miami heat encounter to lose all focus and, and, and sense of, of regular rotations, regular con contesting. Like I, I just don't understand how or why it is that the competitors that the Heat have confronted, they just, they lose the idea, the notion of defending the three-pointer. And this this Miami, we, we keep saying it. We've been talking about it all through the playoffs since they survived the game against Chicago. If they shoot 50% from three, they probably are going to win. They're, they're going to be right there till the end. And this is exactly what we got in game two. They shot 50% from three. And they, you know, uh, Jamal Murray um, front rimmed by the teeniest, tiny amount, the the um, the, the game tying three. And, and so we're 1-1. We're one, one. I'm just glad for more basketball, JJ. Like we've talked it through on after after game one. None of us jumped. Dream and I certainly did not jump into side or spread uh, in anticipation of, of game two because you, you can't like, you know, go crazy. Uh, when, when Miami is involved, do you, you agree with me? I know you do dream. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I haven't played a side in this, this NBA finals yet. I mean, when you look at the fact that, you know, when it comes to the Miami heat, for whatever reason, like you said, they, they transform from a team who just shoots like 34% from three to every single night. It's like they can, they can shoot 50% from three. So it's tough to really handicap this team. And the one thing I said on Twitter is that, my model actually likes the Miami Heat in this series. So, like, when you're looking at games in Denver, I have the Denver Nuggets as five-point favorites. When you're looking at games on the road in Miami, I have it as a pick -em. So, the market is really high on Denver, and Denver does look like the superior team. However, I just... I, it's tough to handicap this series. The one thing everybody is talking about is making Jokic a score. But it seems that the Denver Nuggets offense isn't an issue. They had 125 offensive rating. The issue is defense. Like, Denver is losing focus on the defensive end. You saw the, the, the start of the game. Miami started off with, like, an 11-0 run. Um, you have guys like Michael Porter Jr. completely losing focus on defense. So if you're not going to stay with these shooters, I think Miami is absolutely live to win this series. And, you know, some of us in the media who counted out Miami, I think we're going to be eating our words. I think that's an excellent point. And Raheem, I'm glad that you brought up the element in this series that needs to be dissected a lot more than Jokic, passer, score. Because listen, I know what the numbers are, and you, I'm sure, know it better than anybody. When he scores 40-plus points in this postseason, what it has meant 
for Denver's chances at winning. That's all well and good. But the reason Denver ended up losing game number two is those lapses you saw defensively. First quarter of the game, Max Struess, who couldn't hit a three in game one, he's banging a gazillion threes. And then in the fourth quarter, you had Duncan Robinson taking over and making some monstrous plays that really got Miami to where they needed to be. And then, of course, they took it from there. And now you wonder about Denver here, Raheem, on the road, because we've talked about this all year on East Coast Bias, that they have been as good a home team as you're going to find in the NBA. On the road, all right, they played really well against the Lakers. Give them credit for that. They won game three on the road. They ended up winning game four. They took care of business. Phoenix series, lost a couple of games on the road. Minnesota, lost the game on the road. The record in the regular season, not great on the road. Like, let me put it this way. We'll get to our game three pick. We'll dissect this game a little bit more in detail coming up in a little bit. I'm going to be stunned. That's right, boys. Stunned. And Raheem, start with you on this. If Miami does not get one of the next two games, Miami is 1000% get one of the next two games in South Florida. That's my take. Without a doubt. You know, what does it say about a team? Like you look at the Miami Heat. They had a 21-12 lead. They gave up a 40-14 to run between the first quarter and the second quarter. At one point, it was 50-35, to and they still won a game on the road in the finals as an AFC. That tells you how tough this team is. And then when you look at the Cody Zeller minutes, I mean, they were basically spotting the Denver Nuggets points. They had Cody Zeller out it there. It felt like, you know what it felt like, Raheem? Chris Dudley against Tim Duncan in the 1999 NBA Finals. For you old school <laughs> NBA fans, that still gives me nightmares. <laughs> That's what I felt like I was watching with Jokic <laughs> and with uh, Chris Dudley or Cody Zeller on the floor. My goodness, I had to jump in there. I'm sorry. It's like when, you, when you saw that, it felt like the series was over. And then Duncan Robinson absolutely dominates. I mean, in the fourth quarter, this team had... A, a 189 offensive re- rating. So, you, I mean, like, what do you do? Like, so it's just, you can never count this team out. You can never lapse. I think this is serious is going back to Denver tied 2-2. Two, two. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm on the Nuggets minus one and a half games for the series spread. I might buy out of it because I think this wow. series might go seven. Wow, house. Stunning so right the, there. The crazy thing is, I honestly don't think that our original assessment or the uh, assessment that we made after game one was wrong. I, I honestly don't think we we talked this through on East Coast Bias. And, and I think the sentiments that we shared, you'll see it in the in the like the deep basketball analytical community. You'll see it in, in all the hoops heads across the world that Miami drew dead with this um, Denver team. And, and the reason that we all um, shared that view is because we couldn't come up with a solution to the Joker. We didn't. We couldn't come up with a way for Miami to stop the Joker. Well, guess what? Miami didn't stop the Joker. Dream <laughs> just shared it with us, right? Uh, uh, the problem for Denver is, and the problem for all of us trying to anticipate and forecast how the series is going to go, is what version of defense will Denver show up with? Now, Denver was a top five defense. They had a top five defensive rating from January the 1st through these playoffs. They hadn't lost at home since March the 30th. They showed an intensity and a, a, a kind of uh, attention to detail throughout these playoffs that made us you know, believe what we were seeing. And they, they for sure were doing it on the defensive end. So the lapses, the defensive lapses, and for sure, a million times over, Miami deserves credit for the incredible tenacity. Those guys have guts made out of balls. They have balls made out of guts. It's an incredible, incredible intestinal fortitude that starts with a coach and every other single guy believes. And they're constantly playing with house money. But that doesn't translate into wins. What translates into wins is knocking down open threes. And they've had open threes in game one that they missed. And they had open threes in game two that they made. So they won game two because they made them. To Dream's point, they were down eight points at the start of the third quarter, a fourth quarter. They had an eight-point deficit in the fourth quarter and then outscored uh, Denver in an embarrassing fashion. That is attention to detail. That is uh, focus, that is energy, that is effort. And we're going to see, coming into the series, we said 
maybe it's the case finally that Spolstra is up against a coach who has the ability to kind of match him in terms of wits and, and motivation. In our own East Coast Bias text thread, the dream has shared with us. We are finally seeing some adversity for out of Denver. Denver's confronted with the first adversity, really, you know, now they kind of slept walk a little bit through the last month of the regular season, but that wasn't real adversity. They've been dominant through these, these playoffs because the true identity of the team, their superior talent, their cohesion has shown through. But that ain't what we got in game two. So here we are set up for the rest of the series asking which defensive version of the Denver Nuggets will show up each night. And I don't have an answer. So we're going to have fun handicapping this one, boys. One thing, Raheem. Mike Malone, Eric Spolstra. And I've always been a Mike Malone fan. I've always felt like he's done a pretty good job with his team. But Eric Spolstra, to me, is the best coach in the NBA right now with what he's able to do. I thought his decision to insert Kevin Love back into the starting lineup, I know it doesn't sound like much. I thought it was a monstrous deal in this game because he gave them size. He got them some open looks. He was able to get on the glass and get some rebounds and get them out in the transition. I thought that was one of the more under-the-radar, underrated type of moves of Game 2 that in many ways kind of spearheaded that start for the Heat aside from Struess hitting a gazillion threes. Are you concerned about Spolstra's brilliance possibly taking over this series, or are you not going to read too much into that? Because, listen, we've seen Eric Spolstra put on some coaching clinics in this postseason. Out-coaching Butenholzer, out-coaching Thibodeau, running circles around Joe Missoula. Is that a narrative you would be worried about if you're a Denver backer? Because I like Mike Malone. I have no problem with Mike Malone. But Spolstra, he's got something cooking right now, dude. Yes, that is a concern for me. And the big reason why is because I think Mike Malone has a decision to make with Michael Porter Jr. You look at Michael Porter Jr. He's 3 for 17 from behind the arc in this series thus far. Only two guys who have been on his level. I mean, J.R. Smith, 4 for 22. Steph Curry, 4 for 21 in the 2015 finals. So I think if Michael Porter Jr. continues to shoot poorly from three and he doesn't have the focus defensively and he continues to jack, I mean, everybody saw the image that Harala Bob Bogaris posted with Michael Porter Jr. shooting over three guys while... Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic were wide open under the basket. He's going to have a decision to make on him. And do we know if Jeff Green and, and Bruce Brown can pick up the slack? So I think that's that's a decision that he's going to have to make. He's going to have to figure some things out. And I, I just think Spolstra, he's had an answer for everything. This zone that he's throwing out, it causes them problems at inopportune times. So I, I think that is a real concern. Yeah, I would say, again, like on the offensive front, I'm not concerned about Denver, really. Like they can withstand Michael Porter Jr. shooting poorly. They don't have a problem scoring with Miami. The The problem they have is is getting opportune stops. They got zero stops in the fourth quarter of game two of the finals because Michael Porter Jr. let his offensive performance infect his defensive effort. And for whatever reason, it was contagious because Casey, KCP sucked. Contavious Caldwell Pope had two fouls on three point plays that were completely unnecessary. It is as though the Denver team is learning how to contest out on the perimeter for the first time. And this is the Miami voodoo that I just can't figure out and get, get my head around, honestly. But, uh, you know, the, the, the single biggest challenge to me in front of Malone is keeping Michael Porter Jr.'s head in the game, right? And this, to his credit, to Malone's credit, they they did this very effectively with Aaron Gordon. He recognized in the in the series against the Lakers that Aaron Gordon was in absentia. He was absent in the first three games. They figured out in game one of the NBA Finals to get Aaron Gordon touches at the very beginning of the game. He got very comfortable. It led to him playing aggressively. Spolstra countered because Spolstra got that brain in his head. That He's a big brain boy um, with Kevin Love. It took Aaron Gordon, nullified and neutralized the Aaron Gordon thing. I love this chess match. It's wonderful. But the thing, Mike Malone can't 
make Michael Porter Jr. play better. All he can do is try and put him in the best position and make him believe that he's capable of more. And he has to try and trick him into playing defense. That to me is a much harder challenge than some X's and O's stuff, JJ. No doubt about it. All right, boys, when we come back, we'll set the stage for game three down in South Florida. And the series price has been updated. You're not getting the same number with the Miami Heat, but is there still value in taking the Miami Heat to maybe go and shock the world and win this year's NBA title? We'll get to that. All that more. East Coast Buys Boys coming right back. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. So we have a line for game three. We also have an updated series price. And to me, Raheem, with the way this line has moved down, and it's still a little higher than I thought it would be. I mean, Miami's got home court advantage. Miami's 1-1 coming home. And yet the Denver Nuggets are anywhere from 250 to 270 to go and win the series. My thing is, if you miss the boat on the heat after game one, tough pill to swallow, right, dude? Getting in on game three, not get. I mean, you could have gotten plus 500, plus 600, plus 650. Now seeing, you know, plus two and change, Raheem, not as juicy. Yeah, not as juicy at all. I mean, this denotes that the Nuggets have like a 72% chance at winning this series. I'm not necessarily buying that at this point, but I mean, based on the original line, it makes sense. I'm personally going to stay away just because I, I do have a, a healthy fear and respect for the Miami Heat. And like like I said before, I'm probably going to be buying out of the Denver Nuggets series spread. Um, I just don't like the way this series is going just because what we saw in game two, it was, I mean, p- people are going to call it an outlier. But at this point, I mean, the definition of insanity is just assuming that the same thing is going to happen over and over again. And it's just like you're not going to do anything different. I mean, you look at the fact that the Miami Heat have won seven games this postseason outright as seven and a half point underdogs. I mean, this is a team that, I mean, they shot 48 percent from three in game two. And this is the sixth time they've done that. So I I just don't want anything to do with the size on this series. So I'm staying away. Yeah, JJ, I have a confession. We were together after uh, game one. We talked it through. We tried to do some prognosticating for game two. We did give out to everybody a juicy fat over the total winner. And when we gave that out, when the show went up on Friday, that number was still around 214. It jumped all the way up to 216 and a half. So please, my dear friends, I hope that you are consuming the East Coast Bias Boys in real time and catching the best number that's out there. But I am going to confess, I bought um, the Miami series price after game one. And, wow. And the, well, you couldn't pass wow. up the number. You must have had too much liability with the Nuggets. You I have a ton of liability. Yeah, that's and right. I so, and and I, it wasn't a big investment. It was enough to cover. It was a reasonable hedge. And the reason, and I'm knocking on wood, because I, I, I don't want the thing to happen that I'm going to say is the thing why I bought it. If Jokic gets hurt, I think Denver's cooked. So I just did. I just wanted to have that exposure 
somewhat mitigated. And that I didn't think that I was going to get a better price on Miami than that game one price. Now, if Miami had lost game two um, in, in any fashion, the price would have been better. But I just I was worried about about, you know, what we've seen out of Miami enough to have a tiny slice after game one. I have a question for you guys. And sure. the question I have is I love questions. How much do you think finals experience is impacting this series and is going to impact the series going forward? Because, you know, I was doing some digging and you guys saw the text thread. There's been very few teams who have won their first championship without going down in any series. And this Miami Heat team, they have guys who have been to the finals. Obviously, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, they're NBA champions. Jimmy Butler has been there before. The Nuggets only have KCP, who's been to the finals and won. So how much is that a concern for you guys? Uh, For me, I'll start with this one. Not a ton. Not Mm -hmm. a ton. Because I think if you are wired the right way, Raheem, and your team has the right infrastructure and you have the right DNA, you can overcome that. I I think, though, the test is, okay, when you get kicked in the gut and you're facing serious adversity, how do you handle it? And, you know, House, I don't even think... This would be serious adversity if they go and win game three because then they're still in the driver's seat. I want to see how Denver responds if they're down in this series. So let's say they go and lose game three in Miami. Then all of a sudden, everybody's like, wow, did you did you yuck up this series in game two? Are you overrated? Do you not know how to win? Is Miami a team of destiny? Like all of those storylines that come in, that to me more than anything, is where I'm going to learn, okay, do the Nuggets in 2022-2023 have it? Are they wired the right way or are they not? That's when I'll learn. JJ, it's a great point, and I I totally agree with you. I almost kind of wish Miami wins so we get those storylines because it'll be so juicy, and I would love to see Denver with that uh, adversity. Um but honestly, I, I I only wish for that hypothetically because I have too much exposure to Denver. I don't really want to lose <laughs> my bets. I don't want to be at risk of it. Um, but I will say this. I am, I like you, I'm not really that worried about Denver, its its ability to maintain composure because I believe that the Joker sets the tone for that team and he is a non-plus fellow. You cannot shake the Joker. And in even in games when he gets a little, sometimes you see him a little aggressive. Sometimes you see him, you know, go out and t- get, a, get a foul once in a while. He keeps it inside the lines. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not worried about the Joker. The wild card to me is, is the, the role players. Um, and it, you know, to date, they, they we haven't really seen anything that's, that's derailed Denver, but this Michael Porter Jr. thing is a real deal situation they they have to get through to him and make him feel great and have him feel like he's contributing to the team even if he's not making a shot because we can't have him forcing shots and we cannot 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 uh abide any further um defensive uh mishaps like we had in game two one thing i want to throw at you house because i know you still like denver to win this series and full disclosure guys I still think Denver, when it's all said and done, is going to win this series. My my thought all along has been, it's not going to be easy for them. Miami is going to push them to the death, and I think we're headed in that direction. But House, for the first time now, you can get the Nuggets at minus one and a half games for plus money. Now, I'm going to exclude your kind of situation here, because I know you're tied in a variety of different ways. But for somebody who has not jumped in at all in the NBA Finals, they haven't made a series bet. They don't have a future either way. Minus one and a half games of plus money at 1-1 house. You think that's a good wager if you're jumping in right now? Well, I I personally feel comfortable enough with it. But the problem that I have is I heard Dream at the the top of this show express his own skepticism around it. And I trust Dream because Dream, you know, is is running math models that, that, that reflect, you know, aspects of this matchup that, you know, aren't aren't there for the for the common viewer to be, just be taking in. I still think that there is a very plausible case to be made for Denver to win this series four games to two. And I'm not that af- afraid of it. And I like the idea of, of plus money. I wouldn't take a huge, um, you know, run at it. But I think plus money on on, you know, Denver winning this series four games to two is still a viable bet. I mean, I this, you know, n- none of the things that 
uh, we, we talked about coming into this or that we saw in game one have abandoned the team. They haven't experienced any kind of injury. They have, you know, some some adversity adversity for the first time, and let's see how they deal with it. All right, boys, when we come back, we'll set the stage for game three. The line is out. Mm. It's a juicy number. I think it's the most fascinating game, hands down, in this series, and there's a certain lean that I have that might be carrying over to a theme that we hit on come, what, Friday? Meaning Sunday's game. I'm getting all these dates messed up, but... We'll have a preview for Game 3, ATS, Total, all that good stuff. It's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. So we have a line, of course, for game three of the NBA Finals in Miami, Wednesday night, and it's moved a little bit. The Denver Nuggets on FanDuel are laying two and a half points against the Miami Heat. Denver on the money line is at minus 142. The Miami Heat on the money line are at plus 120. Total right now in this game is 214 and a half. So we'll see if Raheem has another winner for us with the total. We all hopped on board with that. The over was a cash cow in game two. But from a side perspective, Raheem, I'm going back to the well here, dude. And I'm not, I don't need the two and a half points. I don't want the two and a half points. I'm taking Miami on the money line here. I think Miami will be ready to go. I think for the first time in this postseason, we are going to see the Denver Nuggets have to deal with that sort of adversity that it seems like every NBA champion has to contend with at some point in time. It's coming for them because I think Miami has obviously found something from three. I think there's more adjustments that still need to be made from a Denver perspective. I'm taking the Heat, who have been money in these first games at home in particular playoff series. One game, three against the Milwaukee Bucks, one game three against the New York Knicks, one game three against the Boston Celtics. I think they make it four for four. And I do believe it's one of those games where I don't need the two and a half points. Because I think if the game's tight, Miami's winning the game. I think if Denver wins the game, they win and they win comfortably. So Miami, money line, that's my play for game three. I actually agree with you here. My model makes this game a pick em. Like I said before, my, my game's in Miami, I make it a pick em. My game's in Denver, I make it Denver minus five. So I think you're getting a positive expected value wager. Obviously, this line open Nuggets minus one and a half. It's been steamed up to minus two and a half. I think if you play the money line, you really have a good wager. So you're getting plus money on a team who probably should win 50% of the time, according to my model. So I do like that. When it comes to the total, I said the other day, this game was 86 possessions. You had 86 possessions in game two, 91 possessions in game one. So this is a really slow paced series. So you saw this total come down from 216 and a half to 214 and a half. And if Miami doesn't put up an offensive rating of 180 in that fourth quarter, then you might have saw the under game in game two. So I do lean towards the under here. But one thing I will say is that when you look at how these teams have performed in the first half of games, the First half under is now 2-0 in the NBA Finals and 11-3 over the last three years in the NBA Finals. Shout out to Evan Abrahams. He works over at the Action Network. He compiled that. I mean, the first half under in NBA Finals since 2005. 58, 43-4. and four. That's 57%. And 10-3 the last three years. So you see these teams start to get off to a slow start. I think I like the first half under. It's 110 right now. That's wonderful. I, I am joining Dream on the first half under. I really like that. The only cash that I had from game two 
um, because I played Denver to win and parlayed that with some player performances was Denver minus uh, four in the first half of, of, of game two. Um, they, they, they showed out uh, properly. I don't want to side in the half of, of, of game three. I don't want to mess with that. My lean would be Miami um, to win the first half. Um, but honestly, I, I and uh, I'll, I'll live with the consequences. I'm on the other side of you guys. I like Denver on the money line in this game, and it's one of the cheapest money lines I think you're going to catch Denver at. Um, and I'm just going to parlay it with player performance. The player performance will not include Michael Porter Jr. Um, lost all of those bets in, in game two. It's just going to be right down the middle. Joker and uh, Jamal Murray player props paired up with Denver to win outright because those all end up being plus money parlays. Not a huge investment by house in, in game three. I just want to sit back and really enjoy it because the storylines have gotten fantastic. But I am prepared to treat game two as an aberration because it was so out of character for Denver. Um, not out of character for Miami. I trust Miami, but out of character for Denver. So I think ultimately because my view is that Denver um, is 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 deeper and able to meet Miami in a whole variety of different ways and win games a whole variety of different ways. I'm riding with Denver. Not a huge investment, but I'm on the other side of you, fellas. So we have the a one little thing heads I up say, action. I like it. I like the it, one Raheem. thing I would like to say is that I think this series is going back to Denver tied two two. So I think you can zigzag this. Whoever wins game. Three, I think you can fade them in game four. So that's how I'm approaching this. I don't know how you guys are approaching this, but I think the series is going back to Denver tied 2-2. So zigzag. Uh, I agree with that. I agree with that. My hope is, though, Raheem, that I'm Mm -hmm. on the right side of the zig and the zag. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just hit the zag (laughs) or the zig. I want to hit both of them. And I am with you. Lengthy series on our hands. I think Denver will be able to break through on Miami's home floor. But I really am hoping that we see this Denver team in a position where they're getting nudged a little bit, where they are getting their backs pushed up against that wall. I think that, to me, is what you want to see for a team that's trying to break through and win an NBA championship for the first time. Uh, House, I'm glad that you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. because we were not going to allow you to get involved with any of his props after what we did in Game 1 and after what we did in Game 2. But curiously, outside of the Big 2, Obviously, you have Jokic. Obviously, you have Murray. And I'll give you the Miami guys as well. Is there anybody that we're looking to kind of pinpoint from a prop standpoint that maybe we could take advantage of? Is it Brown? Uh, Is it Aaron Gordon? The Heat guys are so tricky, dude. I mean, the Heat guys, you know what sums them up in a nutshell? Struce. Game one, same shots, didn't hit them. Game two, hit everything. So if you bet them in game two, you made a lot of money. If you bet his overs in game one, you donated. So those heat guys are always very, very tricky from that standpoint. The the guy that's been a, a reasonable return on investment is Jimmy Butler points unders. He hasn't um, been scored. I played I played um, Jimmy Butler points under again uh, uh, in, in game two. I think the number was like 25 and a half or 26. Um, he's not out there scoring. He's a catalyst. But the, you know we haven't seen him go off since the forty-seven point game in what was it again against Milwaukee in, in whatever that was the first couple games of that series. Um, and I do think that there is a ling- lingering impact um, to his ankle, but he, he's still the maestro. He's still running the show out there. He's still drawing double teams every single time he gets down to the baseline. He can penetrate, you know, down to the baseline. The double comes, and then he makes the correct pass. So quietly, I think going under on on Jimmy Butler uh, points total is still a, a, a plausible play. Raheem, we like somebody from a pop standpoint. It's so crazy, but I think you can go back to the window with Michael Porter Jr. And oh boy, bi- no, no, hit me out, hit me, because, out hit me out, because now we're getting undervalued. We're getting a little bit more value on these numbers. I can understand yes. that. But what's the so, argument? So. Check this out. I'm not going to go over on his points. I'm not going to go over on his three-point shooting. The Where you go over is on his rebounding prop. His rebounding prop is over seven and a half rebounds plus 114. This is a guy who had 13 rebounds in game one. And let me remind you, all of these guys are little. Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin. They're all little guys. Michael Porter Jr. is 6'10". 
And he got six rebounds in game two, and he only played 26 minutes. So if you look over his last 10 games or so, I mean, he had 13 rebounds. He had 10 rebounds, 10 rebounds, seven rebounds, 10 rebounds. I mean, he's go- he's going to be a rebounding machine if he's out there. Now, if he plays, he only plays 26 minutes, I think you're in a tough spot. But if he plays his full allotment of minutes, He's going to go over this rebounding prop with ease and you're getting plus money on it. So I think that's the direction I would lean. And then to come back to House's point about Jimmy Butler not scoring much, he's become more of a facilitator. Now, obviously, I lean towards the under, but they are at home and Heat role players could shoot better. His assist prop is six and a half. You're looking at a guy who had nine assists in game two. So I think that assist prop is a little bit short. It's only juiced at minus 120, so I, I kind of like that one. Raheem, I got to give you a lot of praise here, buddy, because you were all over regression to the mean for Caleb Martin. <laughs> Caleb Martin, who played out of his mind against the Knickerbockers and played even better against the Boston Celtics, so far in this series, his presence has not been felt. So good read in the first two games, but do you look at game three? Back at home, maybe it's a different role player stepping up for the Heat. Is there potential buy low value with Caleb Martin after his two stinkers in Denver? I'm still a little scared of it, and a big big reason why is, obviously, you mentioned it earlier. They they put Kevin Love into the starting lineup. So Kevin Love is going to be playing more minutes. So I still want to go under on it. I mean, I think, you know, Caleb Martin, he had an out-of-body experience in that series against the Boston Celtics. And I said, I think that says a lot more about the Boston defense. I mean, obviously we, we spoke at length about the Nuggets defense, but I still think that they're better than, you know, what the Celtics were doing. So I'm still going to stay away from this. House, I feel like though, we got to pinpoint a heat player that's going to go off. It's just a, it's literally like playing darts though with those guys. Cause is it going to be Struess? Is it going to be Vincent? Uh, is it going to be Caleb Martin? Like it, it, it's always very tough outside of Butler and Bam who let's give Bam credit. He's played really, really good basketball in the first two games of this series. But you know, one of those wing guys is going to be a good bet to go and bang three threes. It's just a matter of figuring out who. Yeah. Gabe Vincent sitting there staring us right in the face at minus 128 to go over 13 and a half points, man. That is a very square bet. Those are the kind of bets that I love, obviously, because what that's saying. I do think, you know, there, there there could be something with Caleb Martin, you know, the the rest of the role guys sucking up a lot of that oxygen uh for, from him. So I I my inclination would be to pinpoint Vincent. I loved how comfortable he looked in game two. I loved, you know, who, who was it that went flying by and he, and he gave him the, the that that beautiful, uh, you know, was it Christian Brown who went zooming by him? Yes, yeah, it, it was it, it it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Gabe Vincent would be my selection for for the the Heat guy that I might you know select to to, to be on the, the proper side of additional Jimmy Butler rewards and favors. You know, I yeah, might play I, that. I, I might play. I, that. I, I would go with Gabe Vincent too. I mean, Raheem, he's how over- about this? How about this? Heat to win. Give me Gabe Vincent. Two to three plus made. Let's do three plus made threes. And let's do Butler over six and a half assists. How do you like that, Fandle? I'm playing that on Wednesday night. <laughs> That's a I, big I like number. That. You're going to get a big number there, JJ. Let's see how I, big I like that. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I would totally add Michael Porter Jr. over seven and a half rebounds at plus 114. Now you guys are really getting I, me I think in you're trouble. getting a bargain there. You know, JJ, the point that that Dream makes is, is absolutely right when it comes to MPJ. The 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 Nuggets cannot afford to not play him. Like uh, Mike Malone clearly saw something in Game Two. In fact, I think I texted you guys. I can't remember who it is that I texted when we were like, you know, halfway into the third quarter, and and his minutes were way down, and he was not on the floor. I asked, did he did he get injured at some point that I didn't see? He clearly was in Malone's doghouse for some reason, but he is so important to the ultimate success of, of Denver. They can't afford to manage minutes with with MPJ. So I like uh, Glass Half Full Dream saying, look, if Denver's going to compete, then MPJ's got to get the minutes that he's been accustomed to getting. And if he gets those minutes, he gets the rebounds. That that That's the thesis. And that's one that I could definitely subscribe to. Boys, I'm looking right now. Heat to win, Vincent three-plus made threes, Jimmy Butler six-plus assists. 
plus 418. Not as juicy as I thought it would be. Still like it, but not as juicy, Raheem, as I thought it would be. I may have to add your uh, Michael Porter Jr. prop in there to really make it juicy, to really make it worth my while. <laughs> I mean, let's see what happens. You got to have some fun with it. Listen, that's what we want to do. Game three of the NBA Finals. We're going to hold nothing back. Speaking of holding nothing back, how about what transpired today in the world of golf? I mean, we have Mr. Fairway rolling with us. And I think it's fair to say that Tuesday gave you a stunner with the PGA and Liv coming together. Who had that on their bingo card? We'll discuss coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. So I couldn't believe House. I wake up this morning, I go for my coffee run, and my usual tradition, of course, is to scroll through the nonsense that is Twitter and figure out, all right, what are we doing on this particular day? Now with Twitter being the way that it is, I see the PGA Live tweet from CNBC. And CNBC, obviously, a reputable source, a legitimate source, but I'm like, uh, I don't know. This seems, this seems fake. This does not seem real. I do a little digging. I do a little research. And sure enough, after two years, all this bickering, all this back and forth, after uh, the, the, the PGA is accusing all these guys of taking the blood money from Liv, Liv going out on their own and nobody watching their events, Kepka coming back and winning. Are they going to be able to play in the majors? Are they going to be able to play in the Ryder Cup? Well, after two years, House, the PGA and Liv, they are coming together. Golf back under one roof. And uh, I guess a whole lot to do about nothing when it's all said and done. But, man, if I'm those PGA guys that didn't take that blood money, I'm not sitting (laughs) too good. I'm not feeling too good here on this Wednesday, bro. Just saying. Well, JJ, uh, as as we do here uh, at The Ringer and on FanDuel TV, we just process the world as it comes to us in real time. So this story is all of about two hours old as as we tape this uh, at our usual juncture. So I'm still processing and filtering. It is a stone cold stunner in terms of of the timing. Um, But I will say it's not that big of a surprise in terms of the ultimate outcome here. Um, there, there has been some indication and, and, you know, we were lucky enough to go down to the masters. The masters is, is kind of the golf industry, super bowl. Everybody in the whole industry is together there. Um, it is like the kickoff to major season. So, uh, it's a great time to see everybody in the entire golf industry and the, the live topic was a topic of conversation. And one person who's in a position to be very much in the know forecasted and kind of walked us through a potential combination where Liv and the PGA Tour could live harmoniously under the same roof with Liv, especially uh, the Saudi group, especially bolstering the fall schedule because the PGA Tour has had over the last half decade, maybe longer, a real challenge with its its fall schedule. That is events that come after the tour championship and precede the end of the calendar year. Um, they've had a hard time maintaining sponsors, maintaining interest. It's up against football. It's up against college football and pro football that season. So additional investment from an outside entity with an interest in you know participating in professional golf, very desirable to the PGA Tour. Uh, so there, ha- there, there is a natural 
kind of combination that makes sense there between the the, the tour and the Saudi uh, I- I investment fund, and they can you know really do something creative with those those fall events uh, potentially. But I did not expect we're we're a week out from the U.S. Open. I did not expect this to be the thing that we're going to talk about. It's it's amazing that we're all going to be together at the U.S. Open and we're going to get to process this uh, again. The golf industry all all, all together. Uh, tons of details yet to be decided, but the merger from a business perspective makes the most sense because it means that the best golfers will be playing golf at the same time more often. And that's what the TV contracts with the PGA tour require. So that works out great for the tour and, and honestly great for the, the Saudi investment fund. Yeah. Listen, it's a good thing to me if you're a golf fan, because now when you hit February, you don't have to worry about where Kepka is going to be or where Cameron Smith is going to be. These guys are going to be back competing against one another. More often than not, you're going to have the best players in the world playing alongside one another. I just know that a lot of those live guys, they're going to be walking back to the PGA Tour house with a little extra pep in their step because their wallets are a lot fatter. They still got to play in the majors. And now they come back to the tour with all this loot in their hands. And for guys like Rory and Colin Morikawa and a lot of the guys who kind of did the PR work of the PGA Tour over these last couple of years, I know they're not feeling too good. I wouldn't be. Well, uh, JJ, I think there, there's a make hole. Uh, there is a, a lot of discussion in the press release about the significant investment by the uh, Saudi investment fund. I think part of the allocation of funds that that arrive as the merger occurs, some of that is going to find its way into some into the pockets of some of these these. Uh, tour players, PGA tour players who carried enormous water for the tour in, in dealing with this, this disruptive uh, disruptor uh, in, in, in the live tour. I think there's good. There, there's a little bit of cash coming. There will be some compensation and know this next week at LA country club. This is the buzz. This will be the chatter. And we'll have a lot of picks coming up next week for the U S open house will be out in Los Angeles. Father's day weekend, primetime golf. Hopefully, I can nail another winner like we did with Brooks Kepka in the PGA. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Raheem has been in the lab and he's been texting me. JJ, you got to get back invested with your boy. What does he mean by that? We'll wrap it up. East Coast Bias. We'll come right back. Okay, before we say goodbye, I didn't think it'd be possible after what Aaron Judge did a year ago that there would be value in Aaron Judge repeating as American League most valuable player, Raheem. And I think the three of us all know the nerds of baseball have a love affair with Shohei Otani. Listen, he's an amazing talent. He's a unicorn. He's a freak. He's doing something that we've never seen before in our lifetimes. However, his team stinks. They are not any good. So if the Angels are 75 and 86, I don't want to hear about Shohei Otani winning the MVP award because then basically abolish the MVP and give Shohei Otani the MVP every single year he's playing in Major League Baseball and there's nothing to discuss. Anyway, Raheem, Aaron Judge, who has come back off an injury, has played out of his mind for the New York Yankees, crashing into walls in Dodgers Stadium, hitting home runs on the same sort of pace he was at a year ago when it comes to. Roger Maris's home run record. You want to share with the FanDuel TV audience and with the Ringer Gambling Show audience what the number is at the moment for Aaron Judge to win AL MVP? You got Aaron Judge at plus 550 to win the American League MVP, which I think is an egregious number when you consider what he's doing. I mean, you're looking at a guy who was basically the Yankee offense. And obviously, you know, Stanton was out some time. You know, Rizzo's been banged up. I just think this number is, is way too high. and if you ask me, if Judge is healthy and doesn't go on the IL, I like that number. Plus 550. Can I entice you, Joe House? Yeah, I'm just sitting and listening and taking it all in because the baseball team that plays here in Washington, more competitive than people anticipated this season, but still, it's a quadruple A team. Nobody really 
pretends that, 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 you know, they're competing. So I'm not really super invested in baseball yet, but I do like the sound of a value. And I do know who Aaron judge is. And I do know what he's capable of. If the Yankees get on a little bit of a hot streak and reel off, you know, a, 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 a nice month of June here coming up, that number is going to go through the floor. So grab it now, grab it before, you know, Miami get uh, the Yankees get things correct. I got Miami on the brain. Let's get a little action before the Yankees get it going, JJ. I like it. Raheem, give me some other numbers because I want to fade Otani for MVP. And it's not. A, I don't want to sound like I'm a Shohei Otani hater. I just don't think his team is any good. And I know come August and September, if we're having these conversations, I'm going to be the guy banging the drum for somebody in contention to go and win the award. So Judge is the number two choice. We'll see if he can avoid injury and whatnot. What other number? Give me a couple other numbers for the top guys for LMVP because I'm going to give you a choice that I might want to also get invested in. I think you can go with Alvarez. He's at plus two thousand. But I, like I mean, that. I guess yeah. I mean, obviously the way the way the Texas Rangers are playing right now, I mean, Marcus Simeon at plus three thousand might be you know he 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 might have some value. But I mean, I don't know if he's going to necessarily have the numbers that those other guys are going to have. But I mean, the Texas Rangers it's every single night. I mean, they have one of the best offenses in the league. So you know, maybe they might want to reward someone from his team. But I do like Alvarez at, at plus twenty to one. Um, Franco at, at thirty one might also be a good number. The only thing that you're worried about with some of these numbers for the guys who don't play defense, they hold that against you. And that's one thing you know about Aaron Judge. He's going to bring it from a defensive standpoint across the board. That does it for the East Coast Bias. Boys, for House, Raheem, JJ signing off. Good job by the War Gone Warrior. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.